My name is Imogen Staveley. I'm a GP and clinical lead for the Transforming Primary Care Team in London. I've got a great team here today to talk about the workforce template PCN returns that are due at the end of October. We hope to be able to help clinical directors of PCNs filling out those forms and signpost to some great resources. I'm joined by Fumi Worrell, Senior Programme Manager for the Transforming Primary Care Team, and also Louise Saul, Workforce Transformation Lead for HEE. I'd like to ask, how is this return different to the one in August, and when and where will it be available? Thanks, Imogen. This return will be different to the one in August because we're going to have some new roles added to it. So there will be the nursing associates, the training nurse nurse associates, as well as the community paramedics and the mental health practitioners. Thanks, Fumi. Louise, do you have anything to add? Thanks, Imogen. um, Training hubs can access some support for completing these returns from their local training hub. Training hubs across London are able to support them, uh, PCNs with their workforce needs. And at HE in London, we've been developing training hub capacity and capability in workforce planning, particularly around having workforce planning conversations, different approaches to workforce planning, and the different tools that might be able to assist them with their workforce planning. We've been holding a series of workshops with a Pan London event having already taken place in the summer, And now we're holding more bespoke SCP-wide events, which are based on the intelligence that we've received from the first iteration of the workforce plans. So we'll be holding more of those events as we identify development needs and as PCNs have conversations with their training hubs. Thanks so much, Louise. And Fumi, can I just bring you in to give us some of the dates of things like when the template will be published? Absolutely. We expect the templates to be ready and published by Friday the 16th of October at the latest. We'll also have some guidance documents to accompany the published templates. PCNs will be able to submit their completed templates to their CCGs by the 31st of October. The CCGs will then amalgamate the submissions and submit this to the regional and national teams, the initial date being the 9th of November, And after discussions and any amendments are made, the final submission will be by the 30th of November. And Fumi, where can our clinical directors find these resources? These will be posted on the Future NHS website. Great. Thanks, everybody. Fumi, can I ask you, what did we learn from the first submission? One of the key things we learned is which of the roles are most in demand and which of the roles are least in demand. So we know from these submissions that clinical pharmacists are by far the most in-demand role, where over a third of all the roles wanted are clinical pharmacists. What we also learned is that when you group the non-clinical roles together, so the social prescribing link workers, the care coordinators and the health and wellbeing coaches, they also combine to make a third of all the roles wanted. And finally, we learned the roles that are least in-demand, these being the occupational therapists, followed by the podiatrists and finally dietitians. Fumi, that's really interesting. Do you think there could be any alteration in that in this workforce return? I think this trend is understandable because the clinical pharmacists and the social prescribing link workers were the first roles to be introduced to the scheme. And so systems are aware of what they can do. And I think that there might be less awareness of what some of the other roles do. 
So I might expect this same trend, but we should probably encourage systems to consider the skills of the other roles and this, especially the newer roles that are coming in as well. Thank you, Fumi. And at this point, I want to bring in Tara Lacey, who is the Strategic Workforce Analytical Lead for Health Education England. Tara, what do you know about the pipeline of staff available for the additional roles? Okay, so I think one of the first things to note is obviously the data in these submissions is quite limited. So it's just looking at demand for the new roles that are coming in. From my perspective, I think we know already that we're unlikely to have sufficient supply to meet the demand in these first submissions. As Fumi's mentioned, we've got a lot of demand for clinical pharmacists, and probably this reflects a lot of the roles that people are more comfortable and familiar with. But when you think about the competition across the region, we're unlikely to fill that everywhere. So looking at clinical pharmacy, we've had a fairly static workforce in pharmacy and the demand for primary care, according to the submissions, would make up what is approximately a sixth of the current primary care pharmacy workforce or half of the uh, pharmacy workforce in secondary care at those bandings. So you can tell already there's going to be huge competition for that level of experience in those roles. Supply is difficult to quantify for some of these roles because it's not just about people coming through that are new graduates. So we are also looking at experienced clinicians, particularly for the AHP roles. So as well as looking at new supply from university graduates, we also need to think about the pool of of professionals that are already working. And a lot of that, because these roles are new to primary care, we need to be competing with secondary care. So we need to think about how the PCNs are going to attract people that are used to a secondary care career pathway and practices are working. How are we going to attract them to primary care, which can be quite different and certainly would present different challenges to their skill sets. For the new roles, we've got a different challenge. So although they can come through the system much more quickly, we don't have numbers of people that are in those courses currently, and we don't know how many institutions are offering those courses. So that supply is a bit more unpredictable. What we can look at are are different trends in employment. So being in a recession currently, we might think about people being attracted to a new career or something that might be more stable for them. Certainly, that would be something I'd be thinking about. And I think for me, the main thing, again, is then we need to look at considering the population needs. So looking at this firm on an STP basis or a pan-London basis isn't really going to match what we need in reality. So we need to look on a much more local level about what the needs of the population are and thinking about how the different skill sets of the different roles might be better suited to dealing with those populations. Tara, that's really helpful. And I was just actually going to open up to everyone now to sort of say, knowing what we do about the pipelines and knowing about the demand of certain role types, is there any advice people would give clinical directors going forward with these workforce submissions and with workforce planning in general with that knowledge? Jonathan. Thanks, Imogen. Uh, So I think uh, just wanting to pick up on something that Tara said, that it's really important for PCN directors at a local level to consider the skills and competencies that they need. And particularly as they look at the service specifications that PCNs need to deliver around uh, enhanced health and care homes, cancer diagnosis and structured medication reviews, that they start by looking at what the population health, the the patient health needs are, uh, and to then start to build up a a picture of what they need, what what the patient needs, 
rather than taking a role-based approach to this. I think also that as they look ahead to the future of the primary care network contract, it's very probable that population health and personalised care agenda will be will come to the fore in that contract and and so again it's important to try and anticipate the skills and the competencies that would help to deliver those future needs for their for their services. Thanks Jonathan and can I bring in Tara? Um, Yeah, so just to say that our team in HEE have put together a number of resources around workforce planning just to prompt people to think a little bit about what the roles might offer and how they might use different professional groups to meet the needs of their populations. So I I think Louise will tell everyone how to access those later. Thank you. Louise, can I bring you in? So um, just to add that workforce planning is rather than a tick box exercise um, with the completion of these returns, it's an iterative process um, and one that needs to be an ongoing conversation to be able to respond to changing population health needs, workforce supply, as Tara outlined, and models of care. So it's just to bear this in mind. And, and as I mentioned earlier, training hubs can help PCNs have those conversations to make sure that that process is an ongoing conversation. Thanks, Louise. Is there anything else people would want to add about what CDs should consider when completing these forms? Jonathan? I think one of the things that it's important to bear in mind is that general practice has been undergoing enormous change over the last few months, particularly in response to the COVID pandemic. And that what that has resulted in is is very different ways of operating and and there's much more emphasis now on remote consultations digital ways of working with patients Uh, and it does seem that some of these changes are here to stay so it's important to bear in mind the opportunities and challenges presented by those new ways of working and to consider the implications for an agile and adaptable workforce that can uh, work in this new environment. Thank you. I think the other thing to add is that as a GP, I'm kind of really aware of things that keep me in my job. So things like being part of a really good team, being treated fairly with a fair contract that's equitable um, and sort of similar to other GPs in my area and being allowed time to have continuous development and being sort of as a kind of individual and as as somebody to to be developed and being able to influence like how my workplace works and things like that are really important and I think when these workforce templates are being filled out it's really worth the clinical directors thinking about how they're going to integrate these people into their PCN teams um, and how those teams are going to work together because it will be a very different type of team than what has been traditionally general practice so I think that the work and the thoughts that go behind these templates are as important as the templates themselves. Does anyone else have anything to add? Tara? So I really like what you're saying there, Imogen. I think that really resonates with me. And I think it makes me think that particularly with the new public health roles that are coming through, we've got huge potential to make these work for individual practices, certainly. I think there's there's no strict outline on how they have to be used. And I think that is going to be quite an individual thing. And I think that that should be seen as a real positive. So you're going to have 
differences depending on who is supervising these people, the, the level of clinical contact or face-to-face -face contact they have with the population, as well as how they're integrated into the rest of the practice teams. And I think it should be seen as a real opportunity. I think it's really quite exciting. Thanks, Louise. Thanks. Yeah, I'd echo what Tara and you were saying, Imogen, there. And just to kind of remind people about the various initiatives that there are out there that are aimed at recruiting and retaining the workforce. So uh, nationally commissioned programmes like the New to Practice uh, SPIN Fellowships in London, CPD, Preceptorship, Leadership Courses. There are a variety of offers that people can access. Um, and I just encourage people to to get in touch if they're unsure how to access those and we can help them. Thank you. I think the other thing to think about when CDs are filling out these returns is also how these new the new workforce and existing workforce are going to work with other organisations in their place levels in sort of health and social care and start integrating more um, in that way. And this is a really good opportunity for that. Fumi, what update is there on being able to pay London waiting? We've had many conversations with systems in London and with the national team on this issue of London waiting. Towards the end of August, we had a response from the director of primary care. And what was said was that any changes to the additional roles reimbursement scheme must be negotiated annually with the BMA as part of the wider GP contract negotiations. Therefore, this issue will be carefully looked at as they consider the network contract DES for 21-22. Therefore, until the negotiations have been concluded, London waiting cannot be applied to this scheme. Thank you, Fumi. And I know you'll keep the CDs um, posted on, on the latest with London waiting as, as we hear any more at regional level. Absolutely. Jonathan, what will happen if clinical directors cannot recruit to the positions in their plan? So we've heard today how the supply for some of the roles that PCNs want to recruit to are not necessarily as robust as we would like. Uh, we, we know that there will be competition for, for many of these roles. Having said that, your workforce plans for your uh, PCN uh, are not binding. They're intended to be indicative. They're intended to help uh, regional and national teams understand whether they're making progress towards uh, long-term plan commitments for additional roles in general practice. If your individual plans need to change because you are unable to recruit uh, the workforce that you originally intended to, that's absolutely fine. And clearly, we would advise that you develop a plan B in the eventuality that you're unable to recruit a clinical pharmacist. Have a look at the other roles that are reimbursable uh, and consider what they uh, would bring to your PCN. For example, we know that occupational therapists and podiatrists are less in demand. Also, consider the potential of working with other providers in your locality, uh, whether that be community service providers or uh, voluntary sector, people who are already employing pharmacists, social prescribers, uh, occupational therapists, etc. We in the London regional team are aware of a number of shared or rotational employment models that are very successfully 
supporting general practice and, and primary care networks in recruiting these additional roles. And we would be very happy to point you in the direction of some of those successful examples. Thank you. So finally, would anybody have any resources that we think would be really useful for clinical directors preparing and submitting these templates? Tara. So HEE have put together a number of documents with workforce prompts that are designed really to get people thinking about the different roles. What I would say is that it's a jumping off point and I would think about contacting the professional bodies that are responsible for each profession because they already have a number of resources and a number of ways in which their professionals are are working in this region. So, for example, the Royal College of OT have got a nice document which talks about how OTs can be working in social prescribing. So even if we're not using them directly, they may be supporting social prescribing link workers. And it's, it's just another way of thinking about how you can use the reimbursable roles and OT being one that was less in demand in the first submissions just might be a different solution. Thank you. The national team are planning a workforce planning webinar next Thursday, the 22nd of October, and it's designed to help um, CDs and other key stakeholders to help complete and submit their plans and also to answer any questions they might have So as part of the workshops that we've been delivering for training hubs, we're building an online repository of practical resources to help people on an ongoing basis. There's also an e-learning for health module on workforce planning that PCNs might like to access. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining me today. It's really helpful to have Health Education England and the London Region NHS England team working together to give tips for the clinical directors as they complete their workforce returns templates that are due at the end of October 2020. We will also put any other resources on the Healthy London Partnership website along with this podcast. Thank you for listening.